This is The Trip That Changed Me, a podcast about trips that transform. I'm Esme Benjamin, editor of Full Time Travel. And every other Thursday, I'll be sitting down with entrepreneurs, writers, entertainers, and everyday adventurers to discuss a journey that shifted their mindset, ignited a new calling, expanded their heart, or ushered in a new chapter. Does the name Atticus ring a bell? It should, because there's a strong chance you've come across his words, either splashed across your Instagram feed, tattooed on the bodies of his fans, or woven into the lyrics of Maroon 5's song, Girls Like You. Atticus is a very famous, completely anonymous poet who wears a mask for all public appearances. He's got a huge Instagram following, including a slew of celebrities, three New York Times bestselling books, his own wine label, Lost Poets, and a recently launched poetry podcast called Naked on Kashmir. I called Atticus in LA, his current home base, to find out how a business trip to France and a chance meeting with a Hollywood actor inspired him to write his very first poem. Atticus, welcome to The Trip That Changed Me. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being available for us. Uh, it feels kind of fitting that we're recording this remotely because uh, even by the end of the episode, when I've learned some personal things about your journey thus far, I still won't have a clue what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't know what you look like either. So there you go. <laughs> um, okay. So to kick things off, I always think that the circumstances which precede a life-changing trip are a meaningful part of the story. So maybe you could take us back to that particular moment in your life. What kind of things were you grappling with in the lead up to this work trip to France? You know, it was about five, six years ago now. And I was in an industry that uh, that was, you know, kind of exciting, but in, in my opinion, didn't give me a lot of uh, fulfillment or, or meaning. And I, I just felt kind of lost. And I had for some time, you know, it was around then that I did this, this, this business uh, trip to France and I thought I'd extend the trip a little bit uh, afterwards. And I went to meet some friends in, in Monte Carlo. It was my first time there and it was, and it was really incredible to see, but um, I met my friends in the, in the casino there in the Monte Carlo casino. And one of uh, my friends of friends was uh, this actor, a guy named Michael Madsen. Um, and if you don't know who that is, he's the, bad guy in just about every movie he's the <laughs> bad guy in kill bill he's the bad guy in reservoir dogs and i think he's the, the bad guy in a in a justin bieber music video <laughs> um, amazing. yeah and um you know he's the he's the kind of token bad guy and yeah i had to i didn't know and, uh, his name but i yeah, i googled yeah, so, him and he he's actually a really established actor and as you say he always plays kind of tough guy roles uh, but you definitely would know his face even if you don't know his name yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if you saw him, you'd, def- you'd certainly recognize him from Justin Bieber music videos or whatever it was. We ended up spending, you know, the group spent uh, a week together and, and I, I found Michael to be one of the most profound people I'd ever met. And, How know, so? You know, the, the experiences, you know, the kind of life that he's lived um, was, has been amazing. And, you know, he, he told me a lot about his struggles with like, fame and and celebrity and also with addiction and and he told me he's like you know poetry has saved my life i i just put out this book of poetry and and like writing it has helped me kind of put my demons down on paper 
as it were. And, and um, it really has saved my life. And for me that this was like, you know, here was an American badass, mm-hmm. you know, and writing poetry and, and it kind of gave me permission to explore that side of myself. And so, you know, a few days later I was in Paris and uh, I, I wrote my, wrote my first poem. I saw something that I thought was beautiful and I, and I wrote about it and just decided to, to share it anonymously. And that was that. That's, that's how I, I started this, this thing that would become Atticus. It's interesting that you say that Michael Madsen was talking to you about how he struggles with fame. Do you think that had anything to do with the fact that you chose to publish your poetry anonymously? You know, you're the first person to notice that correlation. And, and yeah, I think it, I think it did. I mean, you know, just in my kind of years leading up to, to this trip, I, I, you know, I've been, I've been exposed to a lot of celebrity and influencer and, and just like living in LA, it's kind of, and Venice uh, beach, it's kind of like what, you know, you're, you're often exposed to. And what I kind of realized is Bill Murray has an incredible quote. He says, if you want to become famous, become rich and see if you still want to become famous. And, <laughs> you know, not that money solves your problems, but, but I think his idea is like, be wary of a celebrity. And so, you know, certainly some of that had influence on me choosing to, to be anonymous. To go back to the moment when you were in Monte Carlo and you first met Michael, could you describe for me kind of your first impressions of Michael? Was he, did he have that kind of magnetic charm that actors tend to have? He, he does have a magnetic charm and he, yeah, he certainly does. And again, I was like in the Monte Carlo casino and um, I remember he came over with a bottle of whiskey and with two glasses and he, you know, he, he just poured me a glass of whiskey. I didn't even know him yet. And he just, he's like, so who are you? And like, that's how it started. Like we just started talking. Um, but he does, it's almost like he, he is who he acts, you know? Totally. Um, it's interesting that and, he was drawn to you. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, you know, we, we were kind of, uh, a, a group together and I think he probably knew that we were in, I was in the same group of people. Um, but you know, it's hard to say, uh, it's hard to say why he came over and with two glasses, I think he was probably just looking for someone to, to drink with. <laughs> but then you guys hit it off. <laughs> yeah, we hit it off as well. Like I'm a, I'm a huge whiskey drinker. And so, um, you know, we connected on that right away and, and, um, we have a lot of same interests, you know, he, he loves Basquiat and, and uh, I love Basquiat as well. And, and his, I love a lot of the same writers as he did. And so we just started talking and he introduced me to this kind of whole world. And, and that, you know, I, it just gave me permission to explore that side of myself, right? you know? And so uh, it was, it was really profound, really, really profound. It must've been very surreal to be in this fancy pants casino in Monte Carlo, hanging out with a Hollywood actor <laughs> talking about poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you feel like <laughs> those conversations? Do you feel like you could kind of feel the the kindling of Atticus during those that week that you spent with him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the whole meeting is is kind of poetic in itself, and I certainly had no business being in in the the Monte Carlo casino. Um, certainly, there's no, no nor the business nor the economics to be in the casino in Monte Carlo, but you know, chance would have it. 
could have been a very different story. Could have come out <laughs> having lost a lot of money instead of gained a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Kindly asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> when you, you say so you leave this group that you've been spending time with and you make a beeline for Paris, had you ever visited Paris before? What was it about Paris that was calling to you at that moment? That was one of my first trips and I'd, I'd always been, I, I don't know if that was my first time or, you know, it, it certainly wasn't long before that I went to Paris for the first time, but I don't, I've always been really drawn to Paris. I think I'm in, I mean, I read a lot of like Hemingway and Fitzgerald and, you know, they always, they had such like a, a way of romanticizing Paris and, and, you know, a movable feast and, and the kind of roaring twenties and, that kind of lost generation. I, I really um, was always drawn to that. And so I really wanted to make that trip. And, and I found it to be one of, you know, the most inspiring places I'd ever been. Since then, I always say that, that it's almost like a hack for a writer to go to Paris because you just write what you see. You don't even have to use your imagination. You just see all these beautiful things happening around you and you can just, you just write what you see. Right. So totally. I love that. Um, can you describe, do you mem- remember that initial moment of inspiration and do you recall the poem that you wrote? I'd probably butcher the poem <laughs> if I saw it, but truthfully, it, it had just, so it, it just, it had just rained and the sun came out, the rain stopped and the sun came out and the, the cobblestones were, were glistening. And um, I remember the, 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 who I thought, you know, was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen and she was walking by. And she looks at me and then this wind comes along and it like almost blows up her skirt and she kind of puts it down and she like smiles and blushes at me because she saw that I saw him. And it was just like this really pure moment. Um, and she was just kind of like, I loved how she reacted, like how, how like she was laughing and, and so cute about it. And, and so I wrote this, this poem and I, I'd have to go back to my very first poem ever posted, but I think it's still up there. Sounds like um, classic Paris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd only see this in in Paris. Yeah, and I, and I just I just started writing and and you know I chose to do it anonymously because I wanted to. I think I was shy. Um, I and you know um, I think I was shy to be writing about things like love and and vulnerability and I and I think the mask helped me do that and and mm-hmm. keep it more about the words and and not about who I was and not have it lead into you know the rest of my life and do you think it was clear from that moment in Paris like hey I'm really good at this like do you did you realize then that you had kind of a talent for putting into words the thoughts and feelings that other people experience but aren't able to express very well no not at all and and you know I I still think I'm a terrible writer so um (laughs) I think all writers feel that way it was really (laughs) yeah I know I think all writers do do think that um or maybe it's just me but no, I, I didn't. And, and it was really surprising when when people started following her and saying that it resonated with them. It was really um, shocking. I, I think, you know, I, I never expected it to grow or or be anything more than just kind of a creative outlet. And I think in my head, I, I hoped that I'd be able to connect with people and share poems and 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 such. And so it, it was really surprising when, when people started asking for more and and how did you decide like that Instagram was going to be the perfect format to put your work out into the world? It was kind of serendipitous. I mean, I, I really, I had a typewriter at the time and I, and I enjoyed typing some of these poems up on 
typewriter and then I'd take a photo of them and post them and and Instagram just seemed to make the most sense and so it it kind of happened serendipitously in that, in that way. You told our producers that Paris is kind of a muse for you. In what ways does the city move you creatively more so than any other? Yeah, I mean, Paris certainly has been a muse. And, and like I said, I think the big part of that is that I, I feel like I don't even need to use my imagination. I, I can write what I see. And I think that's the beautiful thing about having a muse and the powerful thing about having a muse is that, you know, they just they just give you the words and you don't have to try that hard. And I felt Paris has always done that. And, and so when I was writing my second book and my third book, I really wanted to know what it was like to live that poetic experience. And it was important to me to go and spend time in Paris, just being a poet. And so um, I rented a, this tiny apartment in the attic off my friend who's Parisian. And um, it's got these five sterile spiral staircases and it's right at the top. And it's got these beautiful big windows that open up over the rooftops in the first there. And there's a church right there and the church bells ring. And so every morning I'd wake up and I'd, I would uh, just drink coffee and, um, and write poetry. And, you know, throughout the day I'd go wander around and go to kind of walk by the sand river and, and, you know, go to some of the gardens and inevitably I'd end up in, in a, in a bar somewhere and I'd drink rosé and my poetry would get worse and worse and worse as it does. But but you know, I, I really wanted to like feel that that um, or live that lifestyle that I read about so much in the kind of um, you know Hemingway and Fitzgerald and, um, and yeah during that whole era. My favorite little Paris poem of yours is "An open window in Paris is all the world I need," which it kind of does what good poetry <laughs> is supposed to, in that um, it says a whole lot in a very little. I love that one. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, and I. You know, I think it was certainly talking about that, just being able to sit in a window in Paris and, and watch the kind of world around you happen. And yeah, for me, that's, that's, uh, that's all I need. <laughs> Do you think um, it's easier to kind of write poetry or to feel more creative when we're in a new place? Like, I feel like I don't know, society is really obsessed right now with uh, being productive all the time. It's very, people are very obsessive about it, but that can be oppressive for your creativity. You know, we kind of need space to let our minds meander and, you know, the to exposure to new things in order to generate new ideas. Um, so do you feel like going to somewhere new can be a source of inspiration for your work? Yes, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, if you stay in a place too long, at least I do, I kind of, it becomes and you stop noticing you stop noticing as much and I think it's it's a shame but but it also kind of encourages you to change your environment and to travel yeah I definitely do and I know when I get writer's block um, the first thing I do is like change my location even even so much as like going to a coffee shop or going you know sailing or like going to the beach and, and just trying to get your creative juices flowing as it were yeah I, I've always found changing location and you know, any of us who, who have gone to like a new, if you've ever gone to like a new city or, or that you've never been, you know, you're instantly inspired by the kind of stimulation, new colors, new wall, you know, new bricks that you've never seen before, new, new plants, new people. And, and that, 
that really, really, at least I find it very, very inspiring. So when you're um, at home, you're based in LA, right? Yeah, that's right. So when you're at home, how much time do you spend writing and what is kind of your routine for, you know, creating your work? I should be writing much more than I do, but I, I try to write in the mornings or in the afternoon, later at night. I like in the morning, like when you've just had like co- a coffee, I feel like you're very stimulated um, to write. And late at night when you're kind of alone in silence, I find very stimulating as well. And my routine definitely varies. Most common place I like to write is in this, I, I created this kind of like back shack in my, in my house and I filled it with everything that inspires me, to, including my typewriter and paintings that I love. I love Basquiat, I love Monet and all my favorite books from, from my favorite writers and poets. And, and I'll go back there and I'll just try to get into that creative mindset. Um, and, you know, Hunter S. Thompson had a really, really cool way of dealing with writer's block or at least to get himself inspired to write. He's the guy who wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and The Rum Diaries, one of my favorite authors. But if he ever couldn't write, he he would literally just open a book of one of his favorite writers. Oh, I read that he uh, did Scott this with Fitzgerald, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a huge, you know, huge fan. And he'd just open up that or Hemingway and just start literally typing the books out on his typewriter. And he's like, once I did, you know, enough pages of that, I'd get in the flow about what it was like get in the kind of mindset and flow of these great writers. And then he's like, I found it easier to write. We did that a lot. That's so interesting. I have to try that next time I'm stuck. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> no. Have you ever read uh, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? I have not. So she talks about, yeah. it's actually really good. It's her book about creativity. And she talks about kind of the alchemy of inspiration and how um, amazing ideas are just kind of out there in the ether searching for human collaborators, which I love that idea. It's just sometimes oh, that's how it feels. Um, yeah, because sometimes yeah. as a writer, you can sit there for ages waiting for something to come. And then when it finally does come and it strikes you, it just feels like magic. Yeah, I love that. I'll have to read that. Big magic. Yeah, it's good. I recommend Obviously, Paris really did change the course of your life entirely. And you now have three New York Times bestselling books. You have a wine brand called Lost Poets. And you also have a new podcast, Naked on Kashmir. Um, that's like a totally new format for a podcast. I've never heard anything similar. Could you tell us a bit more about that? It's, kind of, it's a very exciting project that, we have, that we've been working on for about a year. But, you know, I'm always looking for new ways to kind of bring poetry into the world and bring poetry alive. And... We had this idea to come up with like a, a micro podcast, just like a really, really short moment uh, of like Zen, of calm. And all it would be would just be like a poem, whether it's mine or somebody else's, that's read over over a beautiful and relaxing song. And, that, and that's it. It's like a daily poem podcast. And on Sundays, there'd be longer episodes where I kind of broke down a poem or, or just, you know, had some thoughts. But, but it at its core, it was just really, really short, simple, and peaceful. And, and that's what we did with um, Naked on Kashmir. And, you know, we hope it's just like a, uh, a moment, like I said, a moment of Zen, like a moment as you, when you wake up or I'm getting all these messages of people who use it to go to sleep now and, and or put their babies to sleep. And I loved it. It's been, a, it's been a really, really fun project and I didn't think it would resonate with people. And, and again, I guess, you know, I've been very surprised that it's getting such an incredible response from people. That sounds great. That sounds like something I would like to meditate to first thing in the morning. <laughs> oh, please check it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So the name Atticus, how did you come up with that name? I've always loved the name Atticus, but I've since found out that there's a whole nation uh, in ancient Greece of the Atticans from Attica, and they're you know famous for being philosophers and poets. I wish that's why I called it Atticus, and, and retrospectively, I you know it would have been great. But I, I I've honestly always just loved the name Atticus, and so um, when I was kind of coming up with this, or when I started posting, I was just like you know I'm just gonna call it Atticus. I love, I love that name. And, um, I was also a Harper Lee fan growing up in the Atticus Finch, and so it just kind of made sense. And during the, my research for this episode, I came across an interview where you were asked the question, what keeps you awake at night? And you responded, all the lives I could be living, which I thought was a perfect <laughs> answer that also keeps me up at night. Because <laughs> we kind of, I think, are haunted by these alternative versions of ourselves. Um, you know, it's so interesting the way you can yeah. kind of one moment can totally change the course of your life. And so I kind of wanted to ask you, if you hadn't have gone to France, do you think you still would have found poetry? Ah, that's a good question. You know, I think poetry would have found me eventually. I do. That was kind of like a, I think in, if I look back, I was, I was circling the drain in a way. You know, I'd become interested in, in, I was reading a lot of Fitzgerald. I was reading a lot of Bukowski. I was rereading all the Jack Kerouac books I loved so much. And I think... I think I think I would have found it, it just not so quickly. Before I let you go, I have two quick fire questions for you. The first one um, yeah. is a question we're going to be asking all of our guests. So I'd love to hear your answer to this one. Um, what is the one thing that you believe every person should experience in his or her lifetime? You know what? I'd say skinny dipping. If you've never skinny dipped in on a summer night or something you should I think everyone should skinny dip at least once agreed once to 100 times <laughs> where do you go skinny dipping <laughs> anywhere i mean you can go in a, in a lake in a river in a in a pool um i mean in the ocean that's actually anywhere there's a body of water you can you can have a good skinny dip that's actually a story I want to write one day. Just the best hotels that have pools, completely secluded pools where you can skinny dip, just completely unobserved. <laughs> oh my God, can we do that together? That sounds incredible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so my second question, okay, I'm interested to hear what you're going to say because I feel like this might be quite a predictable question, um, answer. Uh, if you could teleport anywhere for just the day, where would you go and what would you do? You know where I'd go? So there's, um, I don't know if you've, been there but there's this town called Giverny which is an hour north of Paris have you heard of it I don't think so it's where it's where the the, the painter Monet's from and it's where his lily pads to this day his gardens and and uh, his famous lily pads still exist and I think I'd go there I I, I I've been there so many times and I, and I wrote a lot of both my uh, latest books there and I find it to be one of the most inspirational places uh, it's also one of the most peaceful places. Yeah, so I, I, I think I'd go there. Sounds like a good place for writing poetry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, um, it's the perfect place. And you can actually follow his footsteps. And he, he did this walk every day. And, and you can kind of follow his footsteps. And, and you'll immediately know why he took this walk every day. Because it's so peaceful, so beautiful, and so uh, inspiring. And then maybe you want to take a minute just to say where listeners can find you on the internet um, and where they can find all of your exciting products. 
Oh yeah. Um, well, you can find me on online at uh, on Instagram at Atticus Poetry, or you can find my podcast at Naked on Cashmere, and you can find my wine, uh, which has been an exciting development. But my wine is called Lost Poet, and you can find it on Wink.com, or just go to my Instagram, and there's links there, or AtticusPoetry.com as well. You know what? I kind of want to yeah. hear a bit more about the wine before you go. <laughs> Oh yeah, please. Uh, you know, I'll have to. I'll have to send you some. Do you like red wine? Red wine is part of my wellness regimen. <laughs> I love oh, red wine. I love it. <laughs> I love it. No, me too. Um, and uh, I would love to send you some and and hear your thoughts on it. But yeah, I, it 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 was always a dream to start uh, a wine. Um, I love red wine. I love the whole world that it, that surrounds wine, and I and I love writing about about wine and, and the world that surrounds wine so you know I got this opportunity to 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 start one and and it took a long time you know we we worked on the the, the the blend of it the flavor for for a year and a half with some incredible winemakers and sommeliers and came up with something that we we really liked and you know when I when we first released it I was like I you know I hope other people like it um, but it's now become the, the best-selling red wine on wink.com and and people are really, really pumped about it. And but it's basically that 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 table wine that you'd get in, you know, in Europe. If you're at a small restaurant, the old the old guy who owns it would bring it out, and it's from his family's vineyard, and it's just really, really easy to drink. Um, or you'd bring it skinny dipping, or you'd bring it um, to your friend's house and stay up late drinking wine and and laughing. And, and that's the kind of wine we wanted to create, the table wine, the adventure table wine. And adventure it's table wine. 70% Cab, Sav, <laughs> so 10 good. Merlot and 10, or 20 Merlot and 10 Syrah. It sounds delicious. Great. Good for you. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I'll, I'll send you some and you'll have to tell me uh, what you think. Yes, please. I'd love that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Atticus, thank you so much for sharing your trip with us. Of course. My pleasure. Very inspiring. And I feel like I'm going to go write a poem now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you do, you have to send it to me. Okay, deal. (laughs) All right, thank you. Cool, thank you so much for having me. Atticus still keeps in touch with Michael Madsen. In fact, he told me he dropped him a line when his first book of poetry, Love Her Wild, was published in 2017. And in case you're wondering, yes, an Atticus-authored list of the best places in the world to skinny dip is coming soon. So be sure to check fulltimetravel.co for that essential read. One more thing before you go about your day. Full Time Travel recently added an amazing travel advisor to our team. And I want to take a minute here to shout her out because booking through an advisor is such a travel hack, it's crazy more people don't know about it. Her name is Chelsea Martin. She's an affiliate of Embark and Virtuoso, and she's also a travel influencer in her own right. You can find her on Instagram at Passport to Friday. Chelsea has amazing relationships with hotels, tour operators, and locals all over the world. And not only will she sort the logistics and take all the stressful planning off your hands, she also scores insane perks at no extra cost to you. Think room upgrades, free cocktails, spa discounts, and late checkouts to name just a few. So whether you want to book an extravagant honeymoon or just want to secure the best hotel for your budget, Chelsea has you covered. Just drop her an email at chelsea at fttadvisor.com. That's chelsea at fttadvisor.com. 
and start planning your dream trip with VIP perks today. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. I'll be back in two weeks time to share more inspiring travel stories. And in the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line. And please be sure to rate, review and subscribe so we can keep this adventure going.